This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Put a ninja on your friend with a pussy magnet. Oh, hey. Welcome, 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 my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I don't know. They're both good. <laughs> I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. <laughs> oh, cringe. I couldn't help myself. Anyway, I am your host, Freya Graff, and I am a holistic sex coach and educator and yoni mapping therapist. So basically, I make my living massaging vaginas and teaching people about sex. Yeah, pretty cool. (laughs) So as you can imagine, we are going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, though, I would like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this podcast, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country, and I pay respect to their elders past, present, and emerging. Now, if y'all are ready, let's flap and do this. Oh, is there such thing as having too many vagina jokes in the one intro? Whatever. I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull the couch. It's the Lambia Lounge. Well, 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 I've got... I guess that I'm so pumped about today. Um, I've just been feeling really oh, just juiced up and excited and eager to get stuck into the the sort of dialogue we're going to get flowing. Um, so I've got Chloe Adriana, whose pronouns are she, her, and she goes by the Pussy Queen. So, you know, you can imagine this is going to be fun. It's a match made in heaven, if you ask me. Um, and she is a self-love and sexuality coach and captivating facilitator. Her work empowers, liberates, and awakens vulva body people into their full radiant potential. Chloe was born sexually liberated from as early as she can remember. She was making Barbie dolls have sex and experimenting with spa jets. Oh, damn. Uh, Yet, (laughs) like so many, she grew up in a society where conversations around sexual-based topics were off limits. Then a life-changing trip that landed her in a Swedish tantric community led her to study to be a sex, love, and relationship coach with the Tantric Institute of Integrated Sexuality. Fuck yeah. Chloe's 10 years as a professional fairy and five years as a primary teacher make her magnetic, colorful, and vivacious nature all the more inviting, safe, and entertaining, which is bloody important for a sex educator, if you ask me. Um, So Chloe believes that self-love is the answer to heal not only yourself but the planet and sexuality is what makes being on this planet fucking fun. Sick! (laughs) So you can see why I've been really, really pumped about this interview today. Um, And and actually so crazy that you were a professional fairy, Chloe, and a primary teacher because (laughs) I don't know if you know this about me, not many people do, 
I worked in a kindergarten for years and I started my own business being a fairy at kids' birthday parties. And I kind of got as far as like one or two parties. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't, uh, I guess I wasn't persistent enough. I remember doing like my first party and being just mortified, you know, the, um, the parents had invited the little girl's entire class. So there was like a bunch of grade one boys and then all of the younger siblings. And then the parents were just like, see you later. And just like fucked off and weren't supervising at all. And I was trying to like manage this massive group of mixed ages, mixed genders, um, and like try not to put my kindergarten teaching voice on to, you know, like do the whole behavioral management thing while I'm also trying to perform and be like this kind of engaging mystical, magical fairy persona. It was a fucking nightmare. Anyway, I learned a lot and then I didn't do any more. <laughs> wow, that was the universe just saying, look, you're kind of getting close, Freya, but you need to just like change directions a little bit. <laughs> yeah, totally. I had every intention to kind of like, you know, take notes from that and then tackle it, you know, better the next time and persevere. But I don't know. I I often start businesses or have these ideas and I kind of, I did so much preparation and I really committed to it. And then after that first one, I was like, oh, that was pretty disheartening, but that's okay. It's growth. Mm. But then I kind of got sidetracked making homemade lube and doing other things and it just sort of never really came back around. So my career as a fairy was very short-lived, but if you want to go deep into my past super embarrassing um history of being a fairy I made I made like four songs fairy songs and my friend who's a recording artist like recorded you know the the music and that I sung and like wrote all these lyrics that I actually performed at the party like I had this whole narrative and it was like a musical thing and oh my god it's so funny when I look back on it and that shit's on YouTube so Wow, I fucking know what I'm getting up to after this very interview. <laughs> and, <laughs> and can I just say that, like, if we both ever wanted to make a, a debut again, I think why not? Like, sex education fairies, I can't really see a better secondary business plan, like a spin-off. Totally. Oh, my God. Yeah, my angle at the time was, like, eco-fairy, eco-warrior. I was, like... All my songs are about like taking care of the environment and recycling and like planting seeds. Um, But yeah, I can see like a slightly older um, age group that we could market ourselves to and yeah, be sex educating fairies. (laughs) Cool. I'll keep it. I'll keep it on the list. Um, So anyway, on the list. (laughs) Welcome. Um, Just let's. I mean, there's going to be. I want to make this a little less interviewee and a little more just like free-flowing conversation and like exploring of mm. of ideas and life experience. Um, and I know that like when we connected and we're talking about what sort of topic or theme we might do for this episode, I was pretty keen to do something a bit different to what you might usually get um, asked to be on podcasts to talk about, just because both of us work in quite a similar realm and I feel like we might you know, both get a little bit bored of talking about all of 
all of that all the time and, you know, it could just turn into a big old echo chamber, like circle jerk about how great it is to be a sex coach. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> so since there's quite a lot of overlap there, I thought it could be cool to discuss something other than our work as sex coaches and dive into something a little bit, um, a bit closer to home, a bit more personal and vulnerable and that I think... I hope a lot of people out there will find really relatable. Um, but just before we get stuck into that, maybe just give me a little rundown about what it is, you know, you do with your work now and what that looks like just to give everyone an idea of what a sex love and relationship coach actually does. Awesome. Um, so what I do, it's, uh, it took a while to, I'm not sure about you, but it takes fucking ages to define what the hell do you do? You're just like doing it. And finally, I sat down with some friends and I was like, all right, help me define what it is that I do. And I really see that my work is a direct split between one-on-one coaching um, and like facilitating, facilitating um, big bigger groups usually uh having been a primary school teacher that's something that hasn't gone away this like educative um hot space holding part of me so to speak into that that piece first I I run circles every month I a circle being more traditionally known as a women's circle though I work with um a lot of non-binary people so just a circle a space to step into and fuck off the regular narrative of society and just drop into like heart space juicy uh connected space and I do those live in Melbourne and I also run an event called Enlightenment in the Bedroom which is run all over Australia and it's pretty much like a multi-speaker TEDx vibes of paying for your ticket and going and listening to professionals talk about how to get off in the bedroom better than you have been doing so which Mm. is really fun Um, and I recently yeah I would love to have you on my stage when you come back to Melbourne sometime Um, (laughs) and yeah and I run the Pussy Queen Academy which is a school I just launched uh that's first course is self-pleasure art so I've had my first group of fucking wonderful beings uh just come and meet every week to learn about how to pleasure themselves more presently and juicily and yummily and that has been awesome and then as a spin-off I that is is the one-on-one like people who tend to engage with my um the bigger spaces first and then realize like okay I just really want like to focus on me and how I can deepen in my self-love how I can deepen in my my sexuality and I I mean i I'm sure you know like the one-on-one space is so yummy because I don't have to like hold the whole container. I could just look you in the eyes and give you like mm. 1,000% of my focus and we we mm. choose a few goals and maybe we work towards those goals or they unfold and we realise that actually there was this that was beneath that and beneath that and beneath that. Um, mm. So I love my one-on-one clients. I like we call them my, like they're my besties, they're my girlfriends, I'm their wing woman, I'm their cheerleader, I'm their whip. Um, I'm just like whatever they need me to be or they really wish I wouldn't be but I can see I need to be, I'll Mm -hmm. I'll go there with them. (laughs) Yeah, fabulous. That's what I I get up to. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I I just find this sort of work, like you're saying, the one-on-one, so rewarding. You can... 
you can give such a tailored, like specific, um, a, like game plan, I guess, to each individual um, based on what's going on for them and what comes up. So it is really special when I get to work with someone one-on-one as opposed to the groups. Like love the groups as well, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Like you can definitely work some magic and and go pretty deep with the one-on-one. So awesome. Well, I'm really eager to chat about something that we very quickly bonded on and, and found a lot of, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, common ground. Um, and that is being a 30-something gal in the dating pool and our experiences with being single around those kind of like late 20s, early to mid 30s years, um, you know, when you're bloody sick of being single and you you know that you want to start a family in the next few years and you're done fucking around with Tinder or first dates or that like courtship dance where it's all, will we, won't we, is he a keeper or is he going to fly the coop on me and you know, like that sort of space where your attachment styles devilishly sabotage everything that comes your way. And then when you do meet someone, you blow it because they can just smell the desperation on you or like you level with them about looking for something committed or, you know, fuck God forbid mention wanting kids in the future. And then that scares them off. And it's just this whole clusterfuck Mm. that I found really challenging but also super fascinating and you know was a massive process and a massive journey that would often be really empowering and exciting and being single was just like so fun and like there was potential and possibility around every corner and there was all of this like awesome shit to look forward to because I still hadn't you know like found my person and I had all of that yet to come but then you know, those like devastatingly lonely lows where I would feel just really like a lot of doubt that it was ever going to happen for me and like fear around like, what if it doesn't? Like, how long is this going to go on for? I'm, I'm pretty done here. I'm pretty ready. Like, come on universe. I want to, I want to fucking like start creating and building a life with someone like, you know, is that too much to ask? So with you know with Mm. with that like Mm. where are you at with that (laughs) oh well well, fuck what a topic and I I, and I do love it because it's so different from what I would normally jump on and chat about and I and the first thing that popped up when you were speaking then was uh, she hasn't been in the dating game for a little while because there's not just tinder going on babe we got hinge we got bumble we got field we got fucking plenty of fish. We got like it's now it's like this added complexity because Tinder <laughs> finally, of course, got some competitors. And yeah. now it's like, well, am I missing out if I'm not on the right one? Like, are they on the other mm. one? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. like, that was the first little thing that popped <laughs> up. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I've been, I, I had um, the Bumble thing going on. I was like on Tinder and Bumble at the same time at one point, but the rest of the ones you mentioned, yeah, I, I guess I've, I've um, lost touch. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good on you. Um, no, being single is very much, yeah, I am a single being at this present time and have been since uh, September twenty. 20- 19 um so it feels it does feel like quite a while and in that time I've also had a year of celibacy where I had through a big party called a panda party where you celebrate a year of being celibate 
that's another story. Um, and I almost made it to another panda party this year because, of course, like being in these lockdowns has made, has compounded singledom in mm. a lot of ways um, in my experience as a Melbourneian. Mm-hmm. So, like, the the focus and, like, the lens of single has really been, I've thought about it a lot, let's just say, these last two years. And I think, of course, a lot of people at this age bracket, I'm 29, um, it, it is on our minds if you do, you know, want a a family or a long-lasting partner. And for me, where I'm at, like, I do want those things. But actually, even before that, I am just ready, and I've let the universe know this pretty strongly, <laughs> that having done a lot of self-development work, I'm ready to do the, that work that cannot be done single in partnership Mm. so I'm I'm really like hauling in this partner so that I can see a deeper mirror of myself in a like really deep union which I feel I have not had um so that's yeah that is where I stand and it's it can be a touchy subject you know right now I'm pre-ovulation so I feel like full of hope and excitement and joy and I've got a bunch of things in the calendar that I'm going to and um you know feel complete optimism like who that, as you were saying like who fucking knows I'm going to meet up to but mm-hmm. in other phases of my cycle um and just in life it's it's hard and I'm laying in this in my bed in my pink fluffy bed just like feeling like why am I going to bed alone again like I just I'm so sick of being alone in this bed um and it, that's really challenging uh, sometimes but yeah mm, yeah absolutely I relate to that a lot I had many many nights like that feeling yeah feeling really lonely and just feeling like fuck I'm just I'm ready for this. Like, come on. I've done so much work on myself. I've done all of the, you know, like I'm calling it in. I'm trying to do the manifesting. I'm trying to do the all the right things. And um, I found it really interesting that, I mean, there were so many layers with this stuff for me because um, I, on one hand, like really wanted that partner. I recognized that, like, you know, I... I was ready to do that, like you were saying, that work that is only possible in a relationship. It's like a whole new level that you move on to, you know, doing self-work within the context of a relationship that's so healing and so powerful and so potent. And I I just felt like, you know, this yearning for that, I felt ready for that. Um, but I also was grappling with a heap of shame around wanting a partner because I had this attitude that I think Mm. is perpetuated by like this kind of, you know, like feminism, I don't need no man kind of cultural attitude where I, I felt like, you know, I, I needed to constantly just do more work to get to the point where I felt so content and independent on my own that i just I could have happily gone on single forever and only once I got to the point where I felt totally happy and content and accepting um, 
just in my own company, would I then deserve to actually meet someone? And it it wouldn't be until I'd like finally nailed that like self-love sort of um, self-contentment piece that like, you know, the universe would reward me by sending someone my way. And so I kind of felt like the the very, um, like that desire to call someone in and be in a partnership and that loneliness and that real like deep yearning to have someone else was almost this thing that I should be ashamed of because it would mean that I hadn't done enough work and I wasn't independent and autonomous enough and I I obviously didn't have enough self-love to just be happy on my own and so therefore you know I didn't really deserve to find someone because I hadn't hadn't really done enough work and it was just this like total head fuck where um, it took me a long time to accept that it was actually okay to just really like want to be with someone and it was okay to just be over being single and kind of, you know, like mm-hmm. just, yeah, it, it's interesting. And and I found myself struggling to admit that to myself um, that I just really badly hated being single um, after such a long mm-hmm. time and I was just ready for the next like step. Um, and then to start talking about it out loud and admitting that to friends was like another really important step in accepting that and then it got to the point where you know even when I would meet dudes I would be pretty clear about my um yeah where I was at I wouldn't be like you know laying it down on the first date like all right so I want to have babies are you fucking in or are you out like it wasn't it wasn't like (laughs) that but I was pretty I was pretty like clear and I was putting out the energy of Mm. like I'm not here to fuck around. I don't want to waste time. If, you know, if you're not sort of at the same point in your life where you are ready for something a bit deeper and more committed and that could turn into something long-term, then like I don't want to waste my time on that. Um, And so that was, yeah, really, you know, important for me to just accept, you know, where I was in all of that and that it's it didn't make me any less of a feminist or any less... Um, independent, like I just, I was just ready. And that's like, that's, and it's okay to really want someone because it does get lonely and you do have like so much more like growth and I don't know, like potential that you can then explore once you are in a relationship. And that's something to, you know, be excited for and look forward to. And it's, yeah, it's okay to want that. (laughs) So like, does that resonate Mm -hmm. with you? Yeah, fuck yeah. There's so many layers. Like, I actually just wish I'd just taken some notes <laughs> to respond. Um, but yeah, the like the, <laughs> the shame piece, like that is something I've really had to overcome. And in fact, I would say I overcame it um only the last like 16 months or something or so. Uh just mm. like leaning into this, I want it, I want a relationship, like that's that's the truth within but not daring to like admit that to myself, like mm. in the, you know, in reality, let alone to the other people that I came into contact with. And as I've gone like into this work, I see it as many things. It's yes, it's like the feminist, um, feminist piece, like this um hyper independence, which I mm. um yeah, I, I do not agree with. I feel it's also a very cultural piece around like 
within Australia sometimes I feel. Um, having mm. spent a lot of time living in Europe, I actually find um, many cultures and people I, I would interact with or are very much a lot more open to the fact that relationships, you know, can just happen at any time. I find that mm. Australia sometimes can have a very strong, like, yeah, single is cool, like uh, commitment mm. is lame um, kind of vibe going on sometimes. And mm. I also, having gone, like, deeper under that, I feel that it has a lot to do with the favorism, favorism, is that a word? Like um, favoring the attachment style of avoidance. I mm. feel that society looks at, let's say, females, like a woman who is very like they don't need you, they don't need anyone, they're very like happy on their own and that uh, kind of I feel in movies, pop culture, gets like idolized as oh like how cool love that kind of woman whereas an anxious mm. attachment or someone that's just like as I do have like um quite intense anxious attachment uh I that's like society kind of go puts them in this like needy um too much box so mm-hmm. I felt that by also admitting I wanted a relationship was like admitting to my anxiety and like maybe letting people feel that I yeah, I couldn't do it on my own and that's why I need it. Um, mm. so to overcome that and go, no, I just <laughs> I just want a relationship because I'm a deeply um, connective person who has like so much love to give and to share and I want to do that, you know, in union and I actually fucking honour that, that aspect of myself and it's beautiful to like admit it to myself and then to admit it to, you know, my hinge bio <laughs> to, to write like, you know, what are you looking for? A relationship, <laughs> like to actually yep. just say it was a, such a massive, um, massive step for me. And, oh, it's such a relief because as mm. you said, it's like I'm, I, I'm so sick of wasting my time. Like I do not – I my time is so sacred. I don't, I really um, don't desire to waste my time with someone who hasn't or doesn't, you know, if they don't want to be in a relationship, great, if that's their truth. But with someone who isn't like able to even see like the potentiality of that. Um, And then to respond to what you said, like when I made this decision, so sometimes when I can like decide, oh, this is what I'm doing now, um, I I'm wanting a relationship. That's what I want. That's what I'm going for. I can be a bit of a bull and just be like, <laughs> nothing else can come into the field uh, <laughs> other than people who want a relationship. And so I did, I was that person who went on a date and was just like, so I want a relationship. <laughs> like, what is it that you, you know, what is it that you're after? And, um, and then that took me to the, like the, the swinging the other direction to go, okay, Chloe, well, some people, are open to it but they they aren't yet like as Mm. articulate and clear as you it doesn't mean that they may not you know want that after going on you know Mm. three dates and starting Mm -hmm. to open up to that and so Mm. I had to soften as well um so yeah yeah a bit of like a balance of being like okay I know I want it and I know that's my truth but it's also okay if someone isn't like as crystal clear but they're still showing up and not like fucking around. Like there's there's room. Um totally. to do that. so I guess it's just 
Yeah, it's like a sovereignty piece. Like, a, uh, I know what I want, but then I don't have to, like, have my fucking armor on and, like, pushing and rejecting anyone that's not meeting my exact criteria um, mm, as well. So it's mm-hmm. a really interesting balance. It's such a balance of knowing what you want and also being able to receive, you know, who the universe is putting on your path, um, seeing, totally. like, what is this? Is this something for me to explore and learn something else through? Um, yeah, that has been. Really yeah. Interesting or is this a test? Like, are they just sending me more of the same shit of like non-committal, unavailable yeah. dudes who like, you know, I yeah. might waste another few months with like feeling anxious around because they're being avoidant, but they're giving me just enough crumbs to kind of keep me on the hook. And I'm always like, you know, cause I give people the benefit of the doubt and I always like think the bet, like I have like wishful thinking, I suppose. So I might be like, you know, gut feeling and all of those red flags coming up. I feel like they're probably not on the same page as me and it's a dead end, but also there's just this tiny chance that like, you never know, they might change their mm. mind. Or they so that was me for a while. And then, you know, I think that that balance that you spoke about, I had quite a bit of trouble with like finding a way to still honor like my needs, my desires, where I was at and where I wanted to go. And, and also not fucking scare the shit out of people like straight away when they actually probably would have been potential. And if I had to chill the fuck out, they might've just, you know, kept hanging out with me and we'd just naturally let it evolve um because I'm pretty similar like once I know what I want I kind of go after it and that can be quite you know confronting or intimidating or just too much for some people too soon because I can see the potential and I'm like I I can see where this might go but they're still just you know they're not even thinking that far ahead yet because mm-hmm. th- their minds work differently and they're not feeling that kind of you know like urgency that I might be feeling um, and I also have that uh, that sort of tendency towards more anxious attachment styles, which really, you know, flares up when someone else is being kind of avoidant or like non-committal, um, and it almost becomes like a bit like this addictive thing where you just you need that validation or you want them even more because you kind of know that you can't have them and they're being a bit avoidant. So it it gives you this scarcity mindset where you're like, oh my god, I want it especially now. And it will make me feel, you know, like a real sense of like achievement or like, oh, yay, thank God, if they do kind of come to the party um, when they have been a little bit avoidant. It just, it kind of puts, yeah, it's it's kind of, it's pretty fucked. It, it sucks. Um, but I, mm. you know, I want to like talk about how, because yeah, you want to be honest and open about where you're at. You want to be clear. You want to weed out the people that aren't going to be meeting you where you need to be met. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I feel like we do get all these messages around like treat them mean, keep them keen and like play it cool. Like, you know, be sort of be chill, be chill, like calm your farm. And my housemates when I was like kind of in that, you know, on that dating treadmill um would often say to me, like, you just like, you need to like keep your cards closer to your chest. Don't like lay it all out on the table straight away. Like it's too much. It's too, you know, you're going to scare them off. And I was like, yeah, like I guess to a degree, but also if they're going to be scared off by me being me and me just kind of 
I am loving, mm-hmm. I'm affectionate, I'm really into deep connection and intimacy and I'm not here for small talk. I'm not here to fucking play coy mm-hmm. or do the game playing mm-hmm. shit. I'm going to lay it out. I'm not going to be aggressive about it, but I'm going to be like clear and, and you know, I don't really want to, you know, I'm not interested in the dudes who are going to be put off by that because they're obviously not my people and they're not you know, the ones for me. So I kind of, I was like grappling with, you know, hearing that from housemates and like other messaging, like be cool. And then feeling like, hang on, Mm. I don't want to be cool. I I shouldn't have to be cool. Like the right person coming along at the right time where they're ready for me is, is going to mean that I don't have to like play games or think about being strategic so that, you know, I'm hitting this, this balance where I don't scare them off or whatever. It's, yeah, it was like this constant thing that I was thinking about and trying to navigate because, um, yeah, you do. I got really, um, like, like graspy. I was kind of grasping for this thing and trying to make it happen. And I was like, so getting almost into like desperate, like, oh my God, fuck, like, what if this just isn't gonna happen? Like, I, yeah, especially because like lockdown was happening. Um, I met my my now partner like in between the first two lockdowns in Melbourne, um, or mm. like I I know I knew him before, but we kind of got together then. And so that first lockdown, I was just really starting to like almost panic. <laughs> it's like oh my god, mm. <laughs> um, and like you know yeah. you you were sort of saying like there's no shame. I actually. I thrive in relationships. I feel like I'm the best version of myself in a relationship. And yeah, I'm great single. I have a great time. It's it's all good. It's fun. I've got enough, you know, I've done enough self-work and I've got enough self-love and um, confidence to hold my own. But like, it doesn't mean I'm not even more kick-ass in a relationship and that that's not where I like thrive the most. So yeah, it was kind of like I'm holding out to like really start my life and like go to the next level of my evolution once I was in yeah. that relationship. Yeah. Mm. What you've just said like really touches on something for me that's been like also a um, a recent learning. I find it really interesting like uh, being in this work and working with like women and beings of the same age as us and so often like navigating the same stuff and like learning alongside each other but holding that mm. space I, mm. I I love that um I'm just like I'm with you girl I'm dating two yeah. like to my clients <laughs> um <laughs> and yeah something that I recently um had a really big opening of like perspective around in a, a course I did with Dane Thomas on like pretty, pretty much on magic and manifesting and, and such we were talking about manifesting and then talking about you know want the thing and then let go of wanting mm, the thing mm-hmm. and I said to him okay this is something that drives me fucking crazy because I want a partner how am I supposed to want the partner and say I want, do the sigil, do all the magic of wanting the partner and then let go of wanting the partner. I was like, I can't let it go. I want it. You know, (laughs) how can I let it go if I want it? Um, And then what he said was, I believe, and it's obviously now a secondhand quote, was that in the Buddhist teachings that he's gone quite deep into 
when you want something, you be, can be coming at the angle of wanting it from like clinging and craving, or you can mm. be coming at it from love and trust. And for me, I was just like, oh my God, like mind blown because what I can do, which I believe is born from my anxiety and my abandonment um, wound is I can want the thing. And then underneath the wanting of the partner is this really deep anxiety that I actually, you know, I might not, it might not happen. So I'm clinging and I'm craving it like with this desperation, which is the word like that you used of like, oh God, oh God, like I, mm. I really, you know, I just want it, please. And what I needed to shift into is like wanting it from this pure place of like, I know it's going to happen and I fiercely want it and I stand in my wanting and I trust that it is going to happen. Um, and mm. that made a really radical shift in my, in my body for me. And that's not to say like every now and again, I'm like, I can work it! like full desperate, like, um, just having an meltdown and that's fine. Like, I, that's, that's all good. Like I'll just hold myself in that and go see my psych and like, just like have a try, but then coming back to like, okay, like it's, it, it's okay. Like uh, it is going to happen. I know, mm. I know it is like, I am fully worthy and I trust and I, um, and I'm going to keep putting myself out there because it's not going to happen by me sitting in my bedroom and like, you know, like just sitting on the bed and crossing my legs and singing for it. I have to also go to parties, like go to events and like, <laughs> yeah, balance that, <laughs> balance that um, desire, match people and then actually write to them. Uh, these kind of like yeah, little nuances that are actually important in it happening. Yeah. Oh, oh totally. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. The the like sort of craving desperation thing is so hard to shake, but it is an interesting um like mindset shift to kind of just be like, actually, I. I it I trust like I trust I have faith it's going to happen it's only a matter of time um like I had I had um my process to get to that place where I wasn't just like in panic um kind of like grabby yearning um urgency mode was to and it's easier said than done I totally like you know having having that that sort of quote that you said around like that shift where where you're coming from with the the desire and what you want um is fucking hard so just want to acknowledge that like yeah it's one thing to say like look just don't come at it from a place of like anxiousness and um grasping just like be in love and trust it's like oh, yes. oh okay I've done mate. Of work before that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of work before that light work light bulb yeah. it's actually yeah, actually flick stuff. on yeah totally yeah, yeah. And, and it's like that with heaps of stuff for me like I feel like I might hear something or understand something conceptually or in theory but then it doesn't really sink in and I'm not able to embody that and truly feel it for like fucking ages um but interestingly I don't know what it was but I did I did wind up getting to a place where I I had, I had trust. I had trust, like, and not all the time, like I would swing, but most of the time I was in trust that it was going to happen for me. And I think it was because I started doing some really intentional, um, rituals around it. And I, and I had, I had accepted that it was actually okay to want it. And I'd, and I'd talked about it 
to my friends. I'd admitted it out loud. I would journal about it. And I also started like saying no to the guys that would come in and I would be like, oh, I can see that they're not the person. So rather than just like, you know, using this to get a little bit of affection or have some sex or like feel a bit of validation, I'm actually not going to do that, which was pretty hard and, and start like saying no to that. Um, but yeah, what I, what I was doing was like every night I would journal and I would write to this hypothetical like person that I was now learning to trust was actually just on their way um, and getting closer, like in my orbit, just sort of swimming closer and closer. And, you know, initially I'd, I wrote like a letter to them. I was like, dear love of my life, I can't wait to meet you. We're going to have so much fun doing this, this, and this, and this is what I love about you. And this is what I love about the relationship. And this is how you make me feel. And we're going to do this. And like, I just kind of wrote down all of this shit that I was, you know, creating a vision um, with, and, and then I did a bit of like sex magic with it. I'd slap a bit of period blood on there every now and then I'd light a candle, like sleep with it under my pillow, like did a bit of shit like that. And then I think the powerful thing though, was like every, I, I just sort of did that. And then I kind of forgot about it after a week or something. And I was like, all right, well, I've written the letter. So like, he's on his way. It's sweet. But then like a year later, I'm still single and I'm getting desperate. And so I started writing a little like journal entry every every day or so, um, talking to this person and be like, this is what I did today. And like, I can't wait until like you and I get to share, like I went on this walk or I went to this beautiful place and I'm so looking forward to like when you and I do this. And, you know, I would, I would just kind of like chat like conversationally, but also kind of weave in a little bit of like visual visioning and manifesting vibes. And Every time I would do that, I would feel slightly less alone. And this was during like lockdown. I'd feel slightly less alone because I was like talking to this person. And I also would kind of think, oh, how cute will it be when like, you know, we're together and I can like after being together for a couple of years so that it's not too fucking, you know, weird, I'm going to like get these journal entries out and I'll just read them to him and it'll be so romantic and cute. And so I felt like you know, I was like doing something that, that was helping me move towards meeting this person. And then after that, I would sit, I would like write a little candle and I'd get my letter out, that first letter that I wrote. And I would read it out loud and then just kind of close my eyes and sit and think like I would feel the feeling of him standing behind me with his hands on my shoulders or his arms wrapped around me. I would like feel the feeling of what it will be like to wake up in the morning and like roll over and have a little snuggle. You know, I'd, I'd envision me like doing the dishes and him coming up behind me and like kissing my neck, us like walking down the street, holding hands and how that would feel to have him by my side. And I, and like, I'd never had any success or like luck with um, visualization practices or, you know, like putting myself in the feeling of a reality that I wanted to create. And that's like a really common thing in a lot of these kind of personal development um, uh, kind of circles or communities. Like that's something that you do a lot. And I was always kind of like, oh, fuck, like I can't do this. It doesn't work. It's not real. <laughs> But for some reason, something clicked and it just felt so comforting, so fucking comforting to be like feeling the feeling of having this person, even though I'd never even met him. And I didn't know how long it would be until I got to really feel that. 
But like within mm. about three months or no, probably less, like a month or two actually, because it was it was in between that those first two lockdowns. Yeah, I um I met I met my person and every single thing I'd written in that letter, everything I wrote in the journal entries, all the things I predicted that we'd do together and how he'd make me feel and all of the qualities, like I'd, I wrote so many like qualities about him. Yeah, they're all fucking bang on and they all like came true and started to happen within the first week of us hanging out. So I, I don't know, that's like a long-winded way of kind of being like, yeah, I think that that trust is really important and if you can find little ways like that to to move more towards a feeling of trust and like just excitement that it's going to happen like having some faith and being like oh fuck yeah I can't wait for that like it's okay uh, that it's not here yet but that's going to be dope um you know then that's that's more ideal than my previous state around it which was just like um <laughs> do I even deserve this maybe not maybe I'm gonna be single for the rest of my life and be a fucking cat lady yeah <laughs> Oh, such a fucking beautiful story. And it like I notice when you share it, it's like this mixture of um like so much joy and excitement and and like yeah, ex- excitement for for you both and for the like, oh yes, evidence, like evidence that it works and like for my little my little wank back of how to manifest and how to make it come true. And then there's also <laughs> this like heart, like, oh gosh, like why isn't it me yet? Like that comes through for me mm. sometimes. And that's yeah. like such a, yeah, also beautiful because I can just imagine like other like singlies. It's like, that's also okay to hold and just be like, that just mm. uh, is the level of love like that is that you're calling in when there's like, it's not pain. It's just like a, a, a field that wants to be matched um, on such mm. like beautiful soul level. and. So, yeah, so I love mm. that you just embody and have called that in for yourself and get to be that living evidence for those of us who are moving still yeah. um, magnetizing our bays. Yeah, thank you. I And that's like I'm glad you mentioned that because I do want to um, speak to that, that I there's this almost hesitancy sometimes when I am around um, friends or people that are single and I know and I know that they're like not stoked about it and I remember me being in that exact same position and I lived with like a couple through fucking lockdown and I was single and they were a couple and that fucking sucks um so I'm really mm. aware that I don't want to be like rubbing it in I don't want to be you know because you I, I got a little bit every now and then I get a little bit resentful a little bit like oh man like fuck <laughs> like fuck you guys <laughs> why you know and so really I want to share my story and like come at it from a place of like hey this is coming for you this is what's possible I want to be a, an expander like um Lacey Phillips talks about expanders and having them in your life where they are actually like showing you what's possible showing your subconscious what's possible like so that you can have healthy relationships for example like role model to you and that was another thing that I did was like I recognized I didn't have any healthy relationships in my life like being modeled to me my parents had split up when I was young all of my relatives except for one pair of one auntie and uncle and like basically yeah everyone in my life anyone older 
they were all divorced. They weren't in healthy relationships. If they were in a relationship, it was like pretty toxic. And I was like, fuck, well, this would be definitely impacting my subconscious um, belief systems and like, you know, capacity to actually feel like this is, this is something that's possible for me. And so I actually started seeking out people that were in healthy relationships, hanging out with them more. And, and I actually, you know, I'd get my auntie and uncle who were, who'd been together for, God knows how long, a long time. They've got like five kids that are all grown up, they're grandparents now, and they are still together. And I think they've, you know, they've like split up for a year or two here and there way back. And then they came back together and they've obviously like worked on the relationship because it takes work. And I was just like getting so curious and stuck into questioning them about their relationship and about how they started dating and like where their mindsets were at with it all. And like, I just got really, yeah, I just started like talking to people and asking them questions and using that as like, yeah, something that expanded my views on what was possible so that I could almost like prepare the soil within me to like be more fertile for something that um, healthy and and stuff to come in. So I like that you said it. On one hand, it does make you a bit like, oh, but on the other hand, it's like, yeah, showing showing what's possible and giving you hope because that's, that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is hope. Yeah, yeah. I love that, yeah, like calling and seeking out the people who are who are in them um mm. in a healthy yeah what you desire that's such a such an also beautiful piece and idea to call in because yeah re- relationships have changed relationships are different like in this mm. this day and age and I, and I also have been doing a lot of work around the length of a relationship is not going to determine like it's it's health as well mm. um because I feel that the happily ever after piece is I believe in it and I you know I do desire that to be my story and also I'm not going to be a failure if I do find someone and we get divorced or we split um, post-children or down the line because that is just a reality and we are always changing and evolving and it's, it's, yeah, I'm looking for my next soul partnership is what it says on my my dating app. It's not like, yeah, yeah. It's the one that's mm. meant to come now. And then how how long we go into that, I don't know. Like nobody knows. Mm. And so mm-hmm. I'm also kind of showing myself that. So mm, yeah. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. It's so true. It's like, you know, I have this ideal in my head around like having a life partner and having kids and staying together and living happily ever after. Um, and I also know that that's not always going to happen and it's totally okay. And then like, you know, bonus, if you get to have two soul partnerships or three, or um, I've had lots of relationships that were shorter, but no less meaningful and and beautiful. So yeah, um, I would, I would love to, oh man, I can't believe we've been talking for this long already. It's just so, I could talk about this forever. I'm so into it. And I think it's so helpful for people to hear you know, people just talking honestly about this shit. We're all going through it. Um, but I want to talk next about like the pressure to have kids at a certain age and this like horrible feeling that like you're running out of time and you, your biological clock is ticking and that putting extra pressure on one, finding a partner in the first place. And then two, once you've got a partner, like, yeah, holy fuck. But before we go there, I want to 
chuck in the segment get pregnant and die. Don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have, don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it. Promise. Uh, so where has your sex education failed you? That's what this segment's all about. It's just like, it doesn't even have to be your sex education in school necessarily, but just any kind of education or or values or beliefs you received growing up around sex. Like where was that lacking or what would you have liked to learn more about? Yeah, well... This was like pretty easy for me to land on um, self-pleasure, like learning mm. how to fucking touch your own pussy has been mm-hmm. like definitely such a fucking lack. That's why I've created a, you know, a fucking school on how to do it um, mm-hmm. because, yeah, like I just really think that there are so many ways and techniques and styles and um ways that you can touch your pussy so that you get to actually not only gift yourself the joy of pleasure but also be fully in tune with your own pussy so that when you start having sex with other people you know how to tell them to interact with with you with your um with your pussy rather than it I feel like it goes the other way around so many of us learn what we like through the other showing us and I mm-hmm. just find that really disempowering. Like, why mm-hmm. should we not understand the mechanics of our own body first uh, and foremost? So that's something I feel like education fucking failed at. And <laughs> I'm like reading this great book, uh, The Clan of the Cave Bear, which is all about um, like the, the time of the Ice Age, like really, really, really like back way back when and they are like fully into the earth mother and the gift she gives the earth mother gives the gift of pleasure and they have this practice of like first rites when the the girls get to experience their first pleasure and everybody's like the older women like watch and observe and educate and teach each other and I'm like yes (laughs) like I just love it um so I feel that uh yeah that's something that I just wish we were shown a video of, like, given somehow twos. Um, yeah, not just Dolly Doctor or Cosmo, just some full-on, uh, this is the actual size of the clit, this is the, like, how what different styles that you can rub and this is the different lubes that are great and this is your G-spot and all the rest of it. Um, mm. This is your anus. It's totally fine and yummy to, to also play with it and all the things. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that. preach. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> yep. Well, lucky like there's people like you out there. Yeah, oh, it's an it's an easy one, isn't and it? You. It's like and you. It's, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's let's chat about this whole fucking biological clock issue because I think I think it's like yeah, well, society just makes you feel like your ovaries are literally shriveling up into fucking sultanas and that your eggs are too old and it's programming us to have all these limiting beliefs and, like, this sense of urgency um, around having children, like, as soon as you hit 35 or so. And I mm. think it's, like, so important to keep in mind that, like, yeah, like, the statistics do show a woman's 
fertility does decrease with age, but those stats are based on the experience of the entire population. And then within any given population, there are very big individual differences. So Mm. being told that our eggs are too old, like it has a massive impact on us and our mindset around our own fertility and like our body's capacity. And that's so unhelpful when actually like, you know, if you're like, there's a big difference between your chronological age like how many years you are old and your biological age which is like the age of your tissues and actually if you're healthy and you look after yourself then that's going to work in your favor regardless of how old you are in years and you could be like really fertile for ages after you know you're kind of programmed to believe and there's like cultures around the world where women are they're like routinely having babies in their 50s and sometimes even Mm -hmm. 60s. And, you know, like perhaps that's because they haven't been told by society that their eggs are too old. Um, And Mm. so, yeah, like I kind of want to like chat about that a little bit and and do you feel that pressure around like, fuck, I need need to find someone soon because, I mean, where I was at, I was like, well, really want to have a family. I've always known I want to have a family and be a mum. I don't want to be, I always hear people saying, oh, I don't want to be like an old mum. I don't want to be an old mum. And I was kind of like, well, I want to meet someone and be with them for a few years before we have kids. So we get to actually like be together as a couple and like make sure they're the right person and like have have a relationship for quite a few years before I have children. But then if I'm doing the math, you know, I'm 30 I probably need to meet them fucking yesterday so that I can have kids before I'm like 35 or so. And yeah, like what's your kind of uh, situation? How do you feel about all of that? Yeah, when you spoke into that, like I need to meet them yesterday, that that made me absolutely laugh because, (laughs) yeah, there is such a, such, completely such a pressure. and I do feel like if you're looking for it, it's slowly starting to change. Um, and that exact, like you're saying, like there's so much evidence that if it's not true, that you have to like just, I think we talked about earlier, like go and collect data of that not being true. Um, mm. You know, go and follow, follow some older mums like on, mm. on Instagram and whatever go and just like de-fucking-construct that narrative because it's just so stressful and, um, yeah, stress doesn't help anything when mm. whether it's looking for a partner or our, you know, our actual, you know, healthy body state. It's, yeah, it's really limiting and I think it does put a lot of, like, rush, a lot of rush onto mm. people um, mm. to, to do things yeah, with with haste and it's it's okay. Like it's gonna. I hate to be so like um, oh love and lights. Like it's just really not my vibe. <laughs> but like I do feel that it's it's gonna happen when it's meant to happen. Like I yes. that that piece <laughs> all in divine time. <laughs> I, I, yeah, in divine alignment. Like. Um, but I do, like I have a, a good friend of mine is in her early to mid 40s and has just like told me that she's pregnant and I'm like, great, like that is so fucking great. I love it. It makes me really excited. Um, 
when I get my own personal like evidence of that being of that being true and and then to like just come back and if you do really want kids like what is going on now that you're meant that's meant to be like happening and evolving before the kids come along like so for Mm. me it's like I'm meant to be building this business now like this business is actually my baby right now Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm meant to be like I have to raise my business baby. Like that's why mm. I'm not having children right now um, because that is what, that's totally. what is meant to be. And that, that's fine. And that, 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 you know, that baby of a business, she needs a good few years as well. And mm. so yeah, it, it does also, I guess, come into the mind a lot, but then with a baseline understanding of like this biological whispers being very much a falsehood that can, yeah. I guess, ease, ease the whole thing a lot Mm, yeah totally because I mean there's nothing worse for your health and fertility than feeling really stressed um and Mm -hmm. if you're stressed out about it like you know it's yeah I mean it's it's a tricky one it's a bit of a vicious cycle and so yeah I so agree we need more um more kind of like reassuring and expansive information and education about fertility and age and like I've you know I did a post about it a while ago and people were so responsive and so like grateful they're like oh my god I need to hear this thank you so much I'm like 38 or whatever and and you know I was just like talking about this and being like your eggs are not too old like fuck that noise don't don't worry about that here's some fun facts that'll help you realize like you know there's no need to panic like and I and I kind of reeled off, um, you know, like the oldest spontaneous mm-hmm. pregnancy on record was 57, but then there's even older mm-hmm. natural pregnancies and deliveries that have been reported and like just aren't on the official record. And then in recent times, the birth rate for women between 40 and 44 has been the highest it's been since 1968. And a lot of women mm. over 40 don't seem to know just how fertile they are still because 51% of pregnancies that occur in women in their 40s are unintended. So they're like accidental because they're probably like, ah, oh, not even that fertile. Um, don't have to be as careful. And they fucking yeah. get pregnant. Yeah. So it's 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 so possible. It's happening. Um yeah, so uh, it's I, I love that you've kind of got a pretty relaxed, um, unhurried attitude towards it because I've I'm pretty similar. Like you know, I, I got the got the partner, and I know I'm going to have kids with him. But now I'm kind of like, well, oh my god, the business, the business is my baby. I'm just starting to get all of this sort of stuff happening that feels really creatively inspiring and like fulfilling. And you know, I want to, I want to do a whole heap of shit before I have kids. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is the, um, you know, the modern woman's dilemma is like career and travel and like all of this other stuff, um, that you might want to. And of course you can't do that once you've got kids, but I don't feel like I'm going to be that kind of mom. I'm going to be like, yeah, I mean, I, I struggle to look after myself sometimes, let alone kids and run a business and all the things. So I'm not going to be trying to be this like powerhouse fucking super mom. Like, nah, I'll probably be a hot mess for the first like 18 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm in a similar boat where I'm like, well, I need to focus on, 
I need to focus on me and the relationship and building my business and, you know, getting financially fucking secure because I don't want to bring kids into the world, um, you know, this, especially this crazy world right now, when I don't have a secure kind of um, reliable financial foundation, you know, being self-employed and working in the sexuality industry is pretty, pretty up and down at this point um, for mm-hmm. me. But um, for me. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, for lots of us. Um, it's cool though, because I was chatting to, I've got a friend who's 35 and we were talking about this and she's like feeling the pinch, like really, you know, I think her and her partner just split and she was like oh my fucking god I've got to start all over again I've got to find the person I've got you know and she wants babies man she's like come on this this womb ain't gonna fill itself um Mm. and she's just like despairing a little bit and then we're talking about well you know would it be the worst thing to kind of have a kid on your own, like get some jizz off someone or maybe do IVF or like however you want to go about it, but like do the single parent thing or do the co-parent thing, like find a mate who, you know, not everyone's got a mate who's going to want to have a baby with them, but um, it is possible and there are alternatives. And I think for me personally, if it was a choice between, you know, if I didn't have a partner and I was getting to the point where I was like, well, I really need to like have kids pretty soon which is also a tricky it's like when's the cutoff point you know when is it Mm -hmm. like it's so hard to define and so I feel like you'd push it further and further and further and it would be hard to actually go all right fuck I'm just gonna have to do this on my own let's go um but I think if I was in the position where I had to choose between like uh either not having kids at all or having kids and doing it solo I would totally do that and then maybe the partner will come along down the track and you won't have to be a single parent forever. But um, I know that's not for everyone, but I just can't wait to be a mum. I feel like it's going to be the biggest adventure of my life. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's another cool thing to think about is like, you know, you don't have to do it the conventional way and if you want, you can take matters into your own hands and just like have a baby. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's why I feel so lacks about the whole situation is because I I was raised by a single mother um, and I feel like pretty aware that uh, semen plus like well-timed ovulation equals you know pregnancy a lot of the time Uh, so I'm gonna just do that if I'm ready to make that happen I don't Mm. I want it to be a part for sure that is that is the desire but at the end of the day if I'm like yearning for my baby um and I can feel my baby's soul just being like bring me down right now I'll do it I don't really I don't care and I have Mm. a lot of friends who are single mamas who are the fucking hottest property like dating so many people (laughs) and like just like yeah that's of course it's a different ball game but some I think recently that little bubble got shattered a bit for me of like (gasps) like of course it's going to be like this fucking wild adventure that's like life-changing and and all the rest of it and also I'll still be Chloe so (laughs) if I'm single and I've got a baby all good like I'll still date like I'll if I still want to run my business I'll do it like it's I also think it's like (gasps) sometimes when you're single it's it feels like you'll be a different person and you are in very many ways 
never the same again, but you are still yourself. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You're like, it's mm. also completely, um, we have a lot of choice. We have a lot of choice these days. And if you choose to wait for that being to come along, that is a beautiful choice. And if you choose to take it into your own hands, that is a beautiful choice. And it's all fucking sacred and beautiful and sexy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Word, word. Um, so I want to talk about dating apps because I feel like this whole dating app thing has changed the culture of dating. And and I feel like I don't know if it was just Melbourne and the fact that there's just so many fish in that pond. And you know, there's um there's this kind of constant um FOMO-driven, too many choices, so much potential um kind of uh, I don't know, atmosphere going on that like I almost felt as though guys would just be like, oh, well, there's just like so many bloody chicks to bang and people to meet and things to do and like they have zero rush from that biological clock perspective. So a lot of the guys in the city that I was meeting who were my age were really unavailable, really non-committal, especially when dating apps came on the scene. It was just this real like throwaway culture of like, oh yeah, like whatever, it's just another fucking profile and um, and there was no accountability. Like people were just like treating me like shit, like very, like so much ghosting, so much, yeah, like real kind of like disrespect and not treating me like a human because I feel like that dating app culture really changed the way people saw other people who were single and like looking for look for dates. And, and it, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of layers, but it was also interesting um, moving. So I grew up in the country and a little country town and fucking everyone was coupled up ASAP and I was, you know, in a committed long-term relationship building a fucking house with a guy and I had two huskies and and I was 18. So I pretty much like, you know, I've I, I, thank God I got out of there and, you know, I've had a whole other life since then. But I've sort of seen how in country areas it's more common for people to shack up and be like very more geared towards relationships and it's not this shameful thing it's actually like encouraged and it's really normal whereas then in the city mm. it was like so different and and it was like weird if people got married or had kids or whatever before they were like 30 or 35 and there's this kind of YOLO like play the field out and about kind of culture and then I ended up meeting so my partner actually grew up in a country town as well and and he was just so it was it was very different you know he was so much more open it's not like he was looking for a relationship but he was totally open to it going there which it did and like didn't I didn't get get this vibe that he felt like he was missing out or he was like still kind of like looking elsewhere or whereas like you know all the Melbourne dudes that I dated it was kind of like they weren't ready to settle and they there was just too many bright shiny things everywhere that they you know wanted to still have the option of tasting or whatever so like what do you reckon about like dating yeah. app culture how that's changed dating like what's your experience of that 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, it, it's massive. I got my first Tinder profile when I was 19. Um, so I have like been around the block with dating apps and absolutely what you're speaking into this like throwaway, just like swipe indulgence, your, your inbox is full of full of matches and you're not talking to any of them or you've sent, you know, an actually nice message and they've just not replied or being ghosted or actually like, you know, having a great time and well, yeah, being ghosted and then them not coming back. Mm -hmm. I've experienced it all. And I have to like acknowledge that I have probably done it all uh, as well. So that is something that I like, like I, for a, a long time it's been like oh my god like it's every you know they're doing it to me and blah 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 when I'm in that like I'm out and I'm showing up and I'm messaging and I want to meet up and then I'm not getting it mirrored to me it's like devastating and then like right now I just have a inbox full of people that I haven't replied to because work's heated up the events are back on in Melbourne I way rather meet people in real life um and so I'm doing it like I'm perpetuating the the, the the system so mm. what I've kind of like come to realize is that a dating app is actually a commitment as well like you I just try to and I I need to sit down and with my um all my matches and, and go and and message them because that's what I like to do is not just go is just go and say I actually ended up getting busy and I'm gonna just disappear now uh, just so you know or I'll be at mm. this like big event if you're there see you there uh, but rather than that what I much rather is when I like have really strong intentions around like why I'm getting on the dating app like how many like um, sometimes uh, amounts of time I'm allowed to swipe for of an evening mm. or how many times like a week before mm. so that the inbox doesn't just get full and I become overwhelmed and it's too much and I'd like mm. to set some kind of guideline around myself to actually, because it's it's set up like gambling, yeah. It's just, it's an mm. addictive thing that was to make us literally gamble and like, well, oh, maybe the next the next best one is the best one. So Not I really kind of just try to work. Okay, like it's algorithming me. How the fuck can I like algorithm myself so that I, um, you know, drop into it? And and right now, what's become clear is now is not a good time for me to be on a dating app because. It is literally insane down here because it's already a crazy time of year. Plus, we've just like gotten out of another lo- lockdown. Um, obviously, this is relevant to the time that we're we're posting it, but it's <laughs> even in any time of life, it can be like you, you've got a deadline, whatever. Like just looking at that and going, I'm not actually able to show up and be present. Um, so I'm gonna get off. And I feel like that's what's really missing in the dating app. Scene. it's this like lack of intentionality around it like a lack of uh what am I here for what am I people not really knowing what they want and then just being mm. in the space and just like floating around so it's it comes back to self self-work that's why I've kind of moved on to an app called field which has a bit more like conscious like sexually conscious people but I'm also looking to go to like actual you know, fun speed dating events, um, mm. all these, uh, I'm trying to like, all right, like, look, what, where do I thrive? I thrive in real life. 
if I have in real life. <laughs> like, so just taking the apps are beautiful. And I have a lot of people who have, um, they're, they're married, their children from like dating apps, but it, you also have to look at yourself and go, but am I good at like, do I also have my job that's online and can I be bothered with this extra thing that's also mm. online? Um, so I think it's just like anything that we do, it has to come with consciousness and intention in order for it to, yeah, just just evolve into something. And I, yeah, I will admit that I have been on those apps without either of those and it just ain't really a fun time when I'm when I'm behaving in that way. That's totally. a roundabout answer. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is that's this is the podcast, man. Um, yeah, totally. It it's it can be a fucking bummer. It can be a massive drainer, or it can be quite exciting. And and yeah, it is gambling. It's totally gambling. It just presses that dopamine button so bloody much. You burn yourself out swiping. And oh, I I had mm. some dark moments. I had some low times when I like got on the dating apps and I'd like. I'd be like walking one time. I was so ashamed of myself. I was like, fucking gross, Freya. Like, what is wrong with you? But I was like walking home from a um party or gig. It's probably like a half hour walk home. or No, maybe it was like a 15-minute walk home, but it ended up taking me like 45 minutes or something because I was head down, like walking in the dark, just like swipe, 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 swipe. Like, you know, I was feeling lonely. I'd just come home from this party and like didn't meet anyone and like I feel like half the time I was just going out and doing social things with the hope and the motivation, you know, that I would meet someone, which was, again, I felt pretty mm-hmm. gross about, but it was it's true. Mm-hmm. Let's admit it. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like swiping like a fucking mad bitch and I kept like looking up and realizing I w- I'd walked way too far down a certain street and I was like fucking lost and kind of trying to get back on track but still like looking down and swiping and not paying attention to where I was going and like I swear I took like several wrong turns and then my phone was like running so low on battery and I was just like I'm just gonna get like a few more swipes out of it before it dies and I fucking swiped until my phone died and then I couldn't look up where I was and like took me ages to walk home and I was just like (laughs) whoa like that that was fucked. Like, what was that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I was like, I got to delete this thing. So yeah, like there's a good side and a bad side. I also know people that are married from meeting on dating apps, but I feel like I um, oh, I just got so drained, drained from it and ask, like answering all the same questions. And also like, so, you know, you would probably be able to relate to this, like being in the sexuality industry and being a sex coach or an educator or like I massage vaginas, which is even more out there for some people to hear about. And I got mm-hmm. so sick of like fielding questions around that and having to try to explain myself. And um, mm. and also like I, mm, I, I found it harder and harder, especially on dating apps, like maybe field would be better but that wasn't around when I was on the apps. Um, yeah, I found it really hard on those things to meet someone who was also like really into personal development work and had done the work on themselves and was like into sacred sexuality and like kind of my tribe, you know, like there was a lot of just more sort of mainstream um people who it, it the the chasm was too wide to bridge that gap and I was just wasting my time with a lot of that and um yeah I just ended up feeling like well maybe like I kind of had this feeling like my 
person is not going to be found on one of these apps. And like, you know, it totally could have been because I did meet one. Um, here's a little funny uh, labia lounge related anecdote, but I I met a dude on um, I don't know, Tinder or Hinge or something. And we like had, we hit it off and, um, really good like banter and everything. And he seemed like actually awesome, which was refreshing. And then I don't know, fucking probably just like, we just never ended up meeting up and it just sort of like slipped away into the ether as it does no accountability. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then I ended up like meeting him at a party ages later, realizing he was like mates with a bunch of my mates. Um, you probably know him actually. Um, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know. Like, I love that we're naming <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I, um, I'm gonna have to. I'll, I'm gonna have to go and look him up. I'm gonna. Have to yeah, look him up I mean, you probably you've probably met him at one of those one of those parties. But anyway, he's a ledge, and we never like we were just like friends from that moment on. And he was like, "You're literally the only cool person I ever met on a dating app," and like. Um, you know, I was dating someone else at that time and we, um, became friends and then like more years later and he is, he grew up, he went to kindergarten with my partner now in Albany, which is a fucking like rural town in South WA. And so he is like mine and Lockie, my partner, he's our one OG mutual friend that we both knew separately, um, before beating one another. And he did the cover art for the labia lounge. He's an incredible artist and he did the drawing. I was like, so I want like a pussy couch with like a clitoris pillow and, you know, plush curtains and I want to be a cartoon like sitting on the couch. And and he did this epic fucking artwork. And so it's like really cool because he's like, he is a dating app success story where like we never actually smooched, yeah. but we're really good friends. And yeah. now he's contributed to the podcast in this special way. And he's like a big part of mine and Lockie's common kind of, history yeah it's pretty cute I love that so much yeah exactly you never know what is going to turn up on a dating app most recently I met a guy who runs um an event called red which is like a kink a kink event but it's kink and techno which I'm like frothing over because I often feel like those those worlds don't mix like conscious kink and techno I'm like fuck yeah so um, don't think it's going to go intimately with him. It doesn't feel that way to me. But I've, you know, been introduced to a space where there might be. So everything is like, you know, Fred the Alchemist or uh, like it's all little threads. It's all like it's all little little uh, cookies for us to eat and follow yeah. and learn from. I just don't really feel that we're doing shit without um, purpose. I mean, if you hadn't walked down that street telling um, running out of battery swiping you would not have that wonderful anecdote right now that is hilarious <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> um yeah yeah but yeah. that's that's me and my very like meta perspective right now feeling all calm but um <laughs> yeah I, I love I love that story <laughs> uh, yeah me too me but, too yeah. mm, sweet um, well are you are you ready for TMI we love it I'm ready for TMI. I'm ready. I'm ready. 
Beautiful. Uh, do you have to do some kind of intro or am I just doing it? Uh, I mean, maybe I should. It's it's funny. I've never done a podcast before, but I guess I do have to like realize that maybe someone might be tuning in for this episode alone and hasn't heard my spiel on previous episodes, but I'm getting more succinct with it. So basically, if you're new to the show, TMI We Love It is a segment where I ask people for a TMI story because I believe that TMI, aka too much information, is a really unhelpful and like sort of it it just perpetuates the stigma around talking about things like sexuality and bodies and periods and you know all of that juicy stuff I think there's no such thing as TMI I'm pretty open about this stuff um and I want to relabel it too much inspiration actually um (laughs) because it's inspiring to hear people talk openly and frankly about this stuff and I think that is powerful for releasing shame and normalizing all of this stuff that we often experience but don't talk about and then therefore feel like we're the only ones experiencing it and that's isolating and alienating so you know with all that said you can also just like decline to give me a TMI story that's so fine I want this to be a consent-based segment but yeah do you have a TMI story for us Chloe? I definitely do. It was actually hard for me because I also don't really have a TMI filter in my life. I write like <laughs> wrote a sex blog since a long time ago. And um, I was like, oh shit, like what is TMI again? Um, anyway, I, I, I asked some friends, I was like, tell me what is something? <laughs> and I landed on uh, years ago, I dated this very, very sexy um, German whom I learnt, discovered in giving him head that I absolutely loved to have his cum like all over my face. We used to call it my moisturizer. Um, <laughs> we would make sure, like, if we were having sex, sometimes we'd even just like stop for me to like get down, get it onto my face, drink it, um, rub it on my body. And I just realized that I'm a pretty big cum slut and I love. Um, calm. If it's like a sexy person who eats healthily and their calm tastes good, I love it. Like I love having it on me, rubbing it on my body, um, just getting that sweet nectar all over me. That's yeah. I think some people hate calm or feel ashamed of it, but I'm like, fuck yeah, drink that shit for breakfast. It is great. <laughs> Oh, that's such a good TMI story. I can feel like, you know, even maybe some listeners just like shuddering a little bit because we don't usually talk about that and it is a bit confronting for some. Um, but I fucking love that. Like can't, like there's a there's a compound called spermine in or spermide, spermine in in semen that is like super good for your skin. It's like anti-aging, antioxidant, like really amazing for your skin and I think also like consuming it is good for you too it's like healthy and you know obviously coming from a tantric background you would would know of the you know the belief that you know it's it's almost like an elixir of of youth it's chi it's life force energy it's a gift of this person's loving essence and um Mm. sort of a distillation of their sexual potency so you know in tantra it's like don't waste a drop of that shit like get it inside you Mm -hmm. or at the very least get it on you you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. and this was way before i was like into tantra so I, i was always a tantric 
little being deep down yeah. before I knew because I was already like practicing these sacred elixir practices, but just um, wouldn't wasn't sure why. And now, like you know, to my future partner out there, babe, I can't wait to have you come on my face and my tits and on my whole body. Can't wait to drink it and can't wait to meet you. <laughs> oh my god, yes! Oh, I hope someone <laughs> listens to this and like who's who's a male or. I mean, actually, have we spoken? Are you heterosexual? I don't even know if we've spoken about that. I'm just no, assuming. no. I'm not hetero. I am um, rainbow. Rainbow. I call myself rainbow. I'm not like bi. Doesn't really resonate with me. But yeah, yeah just like yeah, any anything goes. Yeah, I mean, but we are talking about calm, I guess. So in this case, it would be maybe a guy who's case, listening I to this. That, <laughs> yes, in this case, it's my baby baby maker. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 well maybe he's listening maybe this baby maker will be like oh my god all right I'm on my way Chloe hold tight or someone <laughs> I don't know someone could forward this on to one of their male heterosexual friends like eligible bachelors yep. um I'm all for it I love a good story of fucking that would be my like a tip-top fucking story of how we met <laughs> dude oh my god let's actually just fucking let's ask the listeners because I think most of my um my kind of audience is at this point pretty female but we could ask the listeners like send this episode or even just this little section to a male friend of yours who you think might be a good match for Chloe is that I'm just so I love playing Cupid I, I love so for it thousand <laughs> percent yeah, yeah. for it Dude, imagine if you found a partner from this podcast. I would be (laughs) fucking beside myself. That would be epic. We'd have to get him on. We could do an episode. I can literally see it happening. I feel like this is a thing. It's a thing. Are you a celebrant? Because I feel like you could just be the celebrant at the the union. (laughs) I'd sort that out. I could definitely go get a license. It would be so worth it. What a fucking story. Oh, my God. I'm getting goosebumps. Are you? Are you? I'm wet. My nipples are a bit hard. I'm really into it. All right, fuck yeah. All right, loves. Like, that's your job. If If you do one thing, don't even fucking worry about, like, subscribing or whatever this podcast just like (laughs) cut cut straight to like doing doing your bit by by sending this to a guy near you who's got healthy cum (laughs) and is ready for love (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh what an amazing (laughs) time this has been Oh, this is going to be a long one, but I don't want to stop. I think maybe I'll split it into two. Maybe I'll leave it. I don't give a fuck. It's my podcast. I feel like this is all very valuable um, and I'm enjoying myself. So let's roll forward, shall we? I want to chat a little bit about um, what happened to me when I actually did meet my dream person and like the self-sabotaging, self-doubting, utter terror of losing him or fucking it up that flared up for me because it's like one thing to finally feel ready to call in that partner and then meet them. And then it's another thing I realized, I discovered to actually figure out like how to accept the love that, you know, you've yearned for for so long and now finally have Um, because it's scary. And it brought up a lot of big shit for me. Um, And 
And I kind of, I just realized how much trauma I had, like so much, so many layers of trauma. I think a lot of it came from also like being in the um, like conscious non-monogamous, like poly world for quite a while, being in an open relationship for a few years. And I, I actually, you know, I don't even want to go too deep. That's a whole episode, but I did come out of that with it was good and bad, but a fair bit of trauma um, in the end. And I think a lot of it didn't sink in for me until I actually was faced with this person who was like, yep, I'm I'm in. I love you. Like, let's do this. And I was like, what? Excuse me? Like, hang on a second. But don't you want to, um, you know, maintain your freedom and independence and have the option to bang other people? Like, are you sure you're ready for this? Like, I want to have kids. Are you sure? And he was just like, yeah. Yeah, no, that's not really my jam. Like, let's let's fucking do it, baby. Like, I'm yours. And I was just like, huh? holy fuck. Like, I, it was so confronting and challenging because I was hearing everything I wanted to hear so badly for so many years. And it was so healing to hear those words and just be reassured and have this security and safety offered to me in a relationship. But it also was so foreign and so unexpected. And I... I had a bit of trouble like finding how to believe it, how to trust it, how to actually like lean in, like put my full weight on that. And, and yeah, I guess trust was, was the main thing that I grappled with. Um, and then like, yeah, <laughs> then when I finally allowed it to like sink in and land in this place of full trust that he was here to stay and I'd secured, <laughs> I'd secured uh, my life partner, <laughs> then like the next thing that my mind latched onto and still sometimes does is like just being fucking terrified. Like, what if he dies? I'm like so attached and interdependent with this person and I'm making plans for the future and I'm basing my life around this relationship and like everything we're going to you know, create together and visioning for the future and we're going to have kids and, and like so much banks on him existing that the thought of him not being there is like too much to bear. And, and then I go down this like spiral of like, holy fuck, like I am so screwed. If he dies, I'm so screwed. And like, again, I want to be in this like super empowered place of like, everything's okay. I'm in full trust. Even if he were to die, um, I would be okay and da, 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 da. and like, you know, I guess I would eventually, but it would be so fucked. And so, <laughs> so I'm just like, well, this has been such a journey, such a roller coaster. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was really difficult in the beginning to maintain a balance of like being open to letting it evolve into just this like exactly what I wanted which was a loving committed long-term relationship um and also just being so afraid that it wouldn't that I was like scared of sabotaging it and then yeah actually figuring out how to how to receive his commitment um and yeah I want to like I want to know how you feel like you'll handle it when you meet your next soul partner and like what are you afraid of or anticipating kind of coming up for you (laughs) yeah wow when you um talk into those pieces I like feel so much it's like a forecast knowing I guess I feel this like 
this future part of me is like, yeah, that's why I'm calling, you know, that's so clearly why for me, why I'm calling in the next partner, because that work that you're talking about doing of like, oh, can it actually be true that they actually want me? And then, and then, you know, like creating these new situations of, I hadn't even thought of that, of the fear of them then dying, like, um, all of those like pieces for sure. I'm going to be fucking met with them so hard. And like one part of me is like, I am so scared. Like, and it's probably, you know, it's probably been, been part of why I do have little avoidant tendencies that come out sometimes when people really like show up for me and it freaks me out. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the person who, will see me in that like freak out and be like hey call me out on it and be like I see you fucking freaking out right now and like I'm, I'm not going away or whatever um but then to also do it to myself like call yeah. myself into that um that stability and that that anchoring uh mm. yeah so it is it's like with with fear and and a level of excitement that I know uh that is what's going to come. It used to be that I was like, and when I get in a relationship, everything will be fine. Like that's when all will be well. But it's that we, whatever is yet to be healed and dealed with, like it's going to show up in singledom or in relationship um, mm. for sure. So that's, totally. yeah, I really honour that that you, I love, when we were first talking and you were talking about yeah and then all these things came up and it's if if we're meant to grow it's gonna happen um and you know I have some really uh really pretty like juicy abandonment wounds so that's (laughs) also why I think I uh, have (laughs) you know I'm also really my uh, attachment system is making sure, you know, it's not just any old buck that I'm going to jump into a relationship with. It's someone I, I'm really making sure it's someone who can fucking hold me and hold this and be be there. Uh, I see I see a lot of people, like, be quite um, able to float in and out of, like, longer, shorter-term relationships. It's a bit harder for me. I need to know that, as you were saying earlier, that there will be a deep, like, level of, depth that they can hold in themselves and and together with me um I think that's Mm. some like safety um nets I'm laying down for myself is making sure Mm. yeah that they they can hold me um when I start to like work through this stuff and, and I want to be able to hold them too because it's not just about you know me getting um getting something from this next person like I'm I'm so ready to provide for them what they um what they also need to experience in relationship yeah I love all of that I love all of what you said it's it's been so interesting for me and like the real the real work for me actually begun once I did um find myself in this relationship um and I I sort of discovered new layers of uh, healing that needed doing and like trauma that I didn't realize was still impacting me or whatever. And so it's just been like really illuminating and fascinating and fucking challenging, but I'm just so, so, so grateful that Lockie has been totally here for it. Like so just solid and present and 
compassionate and understanding and he's just held me through all of that and also like I've held myself and I've just been really communicative and been you know super open about where I'm at and why and what he can do to support me and also you know being conscious of not asking too much and gauging where he's at and it's a whole it's a whole dance but something um, else that I found really interesting um, to ponder is this whole attitude that we find, especially in the personal development or sacred sexuality circles, that non-attachment and non-ownership is like the height of a healthy relationship and like this thing that's pedestalized because, you know, it's it's toxic to want to possess a partner. And when I swam in those like consciously non-monogamous ponds for a few years there, I came across this concept a lot where it was actually like shamed to want to feel really attached to a partner in the way that you kind of feel like you're mine and I'm yours. And I get that. I totally get Mm. that. But I also came away from that whole stint of doing the poly open relationship thing somewhat traumatized and desperately wanting to just be claimed by a man and like it was and, and be fought for like someone just be like, yeah, I fucking want you. And like, it was actually so healing for me to feel like someone was going to fight for me and claim me and possess me in, in a way. And I know it's really looked down upon in those schools of thought um, to say things like you're mine or I'm yours or like anything that's possessive and, you know, therefore assumed to be like really disempowering for a woman or like too too attached which is obviously not woke enough um but like when when Lockie would like hold me in close and say like I'm all yours baby or like claim me in that kind of way where he's like ah like you're mine and I love that you're mine like this is you know you're all I want like that was all I fucking wanted to hear and it made me feel so secure and needed and valued and like I I hadn't been getting that I think I needed it especially because I had been in the open relationship and there was so so much kind of yeah it was very non-possessive um non-attached yeah and I and that something about that didn't feel secure enough or I didn't feel um needed or desired enough for me personally and yeah I'm wondering like if you resonate with that and what your thoughts on this sort of thing are like have you dabbled in the non-monog world and did you come across this? Mm, I mean absolutely I think it's pretty impossible to be in the sacred sexuality tantra scene not come across (laughs) um, (laughs) come across those pieces and that as well as like claiming that I want a relationship claiming that I want a um devoted partnership has been a big thing for me to realize within myself and then speak out loud uh I call it like a devotional partnership because I found Mm. it so fucking bland and it's not (laughs) bland like to be devotional to someone and to just like show up a thousand percent for this like one soul, um, I think is so beautiful and so, so sacred. And that's what I really want. I don't need to split my attention up. Like I just want, yeah, I just want that one being um, and me to journey like so fucking deep. I mean, I'm still getting to know myself as a human 
almost on the daily. So to get to know also another person and with their fullness and their life starting from, you know, 29 and up, I, I need all the time that I have for them um, yeah. to focus on them. That just feels pretty clear to me and pretty easy to accept. And But then on the other hand, I have, I guess I've had a lot of judgment of the uh, uh, poly scene in the past and felt um, like, I guess I felt like I was being pushed on me and that they saw my beliefs not as, yeah, not as evolved as that. Um, mm. And that, yeah, that caused me to feel resentment and then to judge them and be like, well, you're not even fucking like, you don't even know how to do true soul partnership. You don't, you're just like hiding from something and having all these, judgments and I do think like everything there is a shadow side of the poly scene of people who are mm. just non-committal and wanting to be open and just float around and that's a nice like box for them to to get to do that in but then I've also started to meet people who are deeply like they were born poly you know they just have mm. a free loving soul that just is not to be contained and is um yeah, just like that is, and I can see it and I've seen in them that that is their deep truth as much as devotional mm. love is my deep truth. And so then it's easier to go, oh, okay, it's just another like different way of living. Like just mm. as we all have different like values and stuff as some people are born hetero or gay or bi, like there's some ways that we just are and we aren't um, mm. and other things we try on and they fit and then, they don't or you know maybe some years down the past I'll listen to this and go ha 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 like now I'm fully poly and I've got you know two husbands and a wife I don't know um, <laughs> what's gonna happen um <laughs> but now right now that's yeah my truth is devotional love and I will not mm. be shamed for that um mm. I will yeah I will absolutely not be shamed for that and I will not settle for less than that when I um, need a partner because I also in the past probably would have met someone who was poly and they, and I loved them and they were like you know you want to try it and I'd be like okay and no like I don't want to try it I want to um, first experience full-on devotion and then maybe mm. after you know a few years we can talk about it again once my attachment system feels really secure and I mm. can try it out Knowing my mm. leveling things of anxiety, there is no fucking way that I could love myself and try that um, until that I have felt that much of being wanted and, um, mm. yeah, chosen or claimed. Yeah, chosen, you know, someone just really choosing you and committing to you and not kind of keeping their eyes out, keeping their options open, I guess. And like I'm saying this, I used to be like that. Like I was pretty non-committal. I wanted to keep my options open. I wanted to have my cake and eat it too. And I thought like being poly was just like the fucking answer, like the best. And, you know, would read a few books like mm -hmm. Sex at Dawn and whatever and then be like, um, yeah, actually really conflicted because I was like, well, it's not natural to be monogamous. We're not designed to be. This is why I always find it so hard to like stay faithful and I like, you know, look elsewhere and whatever. And so I've just got to be, I've just got to be like Polly and that's, you know, the more, more evolved way. And like, I pity you monogamous people. And then I was just like, 
that was part of, you know, that was when I started out and then I realized like one, we are, you know, maybe it was natural to be um, poly back in the day, but we've been like heavily, heavily programmed and conditioned and we live in a world that's like not structured around that anymore. And so it makes it extremely hard to actually do it well and in a healthy, intentional, loving way. And my programming meant that like there's there was no I tried for years and I just could not get over like the kind of jealousy insecurity like shitty feelings when my my love was with someone else or loved someone else and it was just fucking traumatizing and I was like well I was always so conflicted like oh but this is like the way and and I just need to overcome my you know blah 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 and then eventually it was it was a similar deal with like admitting to myself that like I wanted to find my person I had to admit to myself and like release the shame around actually just fucking wanting to be consciously monogamous and like yeah I love that devotional piece because like I've I've accepted that this is like the way that I thrive best in relationships and it's what I need and yeah maybe that will change but um the thought of it makes me feel quite nauseous now because like I've been in the open relationships and I've like sort of experienced the person that I love being with other people and it like makes me feel sick and like that's okay yeah maybe it's my conditioning totally but fucking whatever like that's the reality that's where I'm at so why I keep pushing into that and traumatizing myself um Mm. and so I'm I'm kind of yeah now quite accepting of and, you know, and everyone's different. Like some people, it's so natural. They don't have a jealous bone in their body and it really works for them and they can do it in a beautiful way. And I love that. Like I, I used to wish that was me. Now I'm like, well, it's not me. And and I don't wish that it was like, it's actually okay. Um, so yeah, that's, it's cool to hear your process with it as well. Um, and yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. yeah, sorry. Did you have more to say on that? No, I just, yeah, wanted to congratulate that piece of just, it's it's all, I guess it comes down to self-acceptance, like just mm. plain and simply, this is me mm. and I fucking accept it. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's really hard and it's hard, it's hard to do, but when you do, oh, it's such a relief. Yeah, such <laughs> a relief. Such a relief. <laughs> oh, yeah. So... Before we wrap up, I'm wondering if you've got any, um, I guess, like ideas or suggestions or tips or final thoughts um, for people listening that might be really relating to like where you're at, where I'm at, um, maybe some suggestions like like rituals or little things to bring into their life that will help them get that piece of like trust um, and sort of prepare the soil for calling in someone if, if that's where they're at um, or if you know mm-hmm. is there anything that crops up in your work with clients that you hear quite a lot and is like quite common but th- that they don't actually realize is common and therefore feel broken because of all they feel abnormal um, that you know you want to go on the record saying is totally okay and normal and like shine some light on that to help people feel really seen yeah yeah I love like at the very beginning you were saying how there's this piece around like maybe I won't be loved and I, I can't find my love until I love myself and that that mm-hmm. like new age spiritual bullshit kind of 
belief that there that there is lying around um and I just want to say like it is absolute bullshit like you can be loved in your most grotesque um (laughs) form however you know however you show up as a hot mess like whatever you are and I feel that what I've seen is while you are like waiting and calling in that love um, with rituals, like like you spoke into Freya, um, why not also with that time in between dive into yourself, like dive into um, where maybe are those little pieces of self-love that you might as well start like giving, getting a better, better handle on and where do you not like um, have some spaciousness or pleasure like experiences in your sexuality that you might as well spend some time on um, expanding so that when this love like does inevitably land on your lap, you've got all these other tools in your toolbox to just start playing with them right away. Um, Mm. So I guess what I'm saying is like the love is coming and do the like do the rituals like write them out, call them in, visualize them, embody them, uh, use your blood, like pleasure yourself and imagine them fucking you, like do all those things. And then also set about like, I feel that we haven't met someone because they're just getting ready and doing the work to be ready to like meet me. So for example, the, the person that I, um, that I meet, I feel is going to have a fully decked out camping equipment set. And so my friend said to me, he doesn't have the full set yet, you know. He's just, like, still got to get the awning and he's doing all these, like, little pieces. So, like, that's why, you you know, do you want to wait a year until he's got the full set or do you want to meet him now and he hasn't got any of it? I was like, no, no, yeah, I want to make, I want to, I want the full set. And so someone is calling you in too. Like, you are also being called, um, but maybe there's some little things that you're still, like, that you can just like that, that novel that you haven't finished reading, like maybe they, they're calling in someone who's read that full series that you've always been waiting to read or uh, just little nuances. Like what is it that you can keep doing for you while you wait um, so that waiting doesn't feel like painful and arduous mm. because it's, this is still your life. Like right now you are, you're still living a life before they're here your, the, this life is not null and void until the partner comes. Um, so what do you want to do with your life? Do you want to, you know, finally overcome some deep parental shit that you have around your ta- attachment wound so that they, you can feel more spacious and self-aware when you do meet your partner and you can actually tell them, this is my attachment style. Maybe you don't know what your attachment style is and that's that's something that would be really helpful for you to to dive into and understand um, while while you wait, mm. that feels like yeah. yeah, yeah. That's such good advice. I love that. It's really really bang on. I think that would be the most supportive thing you could do for yourself. Not sort of acting like you know you're just twiddling your thumbs, waiting around for your life to begin when you do meet this person. Like yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't, like, I really, I don't even want to add to that. You you said that beautifully and I think it gives people something to go on with if they weren't feeling super inspired or they're a little bit lost. Um, 
yeah and like know that you're not alone like we we have both experienced this i've spoken to countless clients and girlfriends and and like my male friends as well like yeah i think there's a little bit of this like i don't know narrative or belief that some women have that guys are always like non-committal and don't care about the relationship as much and things like that but oh my god i've got lots of um hetero male friends and queer like just just yeah male-bodied friends who are really yearning for and desiring that that soul committed partnership so um yeah they're probably just just prepping themselves to meet you as well um, and with that, mm. I think we should leave it there. I think we've covered so much today and I hope people find it really uh, like thought-provoking and, and helpful um, listening to these sorts of like explorations. Um, and mm. I'd love, yeah, I'd love to have you back on one day. I think we've got endless shit that we can talk about and as as we both move through. Yeah, I me mean, and my cum partner. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say like, you know, you and the cum lord are going to be all up on this podcast in no time, I'd say. Um, so I look forward to that. And <laughs> thank you so much for your time. You've been very generous with your time today. We've gone, this is the longest podcast I've done yet. Um, yeah, it's been really beautiful <laughs> chatting with you, Chloe. Oh, I've loved it so much, so, so, so much. Thank you. I love the Labia Lounge. Um, I can't wait to be back back in her (laughs) awesome see ya bye and that's it darling hearts thank you for stopping by the labia lounge your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double l action next time and in the meantime if you'd be a dear and subscribe share this episode or leave a review on itunes then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that my dear is a downright act of sex positive feminist activism And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.